This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Amazing. Good to see you this morning. I don't know what kind of week you've had. I hope it's been a good one. We've had an exciting week as Vision Week here at Life Church. And something I've been reflecting on a bit this week is how our expectations affect our experience. And um, in our house this week, there was a high expectation. And our daughters went to bed on Wednesday night with the high expectation that on Thursday morning when they awoke, they would open their curtains, look out of the window to see a sea of white, which meant they didn't have to go to school. They could play outside. They thought they'd play all day, but really it would be like 10 minutes, then they'd say it's too cold. They'd come in, they'd get to chill out for a day, drink hot chocolate all day. That was the anticipation, the expectation that they went to bed with on Wednesday night. And so the experience of Thursday morning in our house was not a good one. I I wasn't disappointed. I'm not a fan of snow. But they were incredibly disappointed. We even had 10 minutes of, I'm too poorly to go to school, which never happens. And and then the threat that she was going to write a strongly worded letter to the BBC because the weather news app had told her that this is what was going to happen. And um, I don't know if you've had experiences like that where you realize that your expectation affects the experience that you have. Sometimes a high expectation or a low expectation. And, And I wonder, for you this morning, when you entered into our church building, I wonder what your expectation was. I wonder even now, as we... We spend some time gathering around the Bible, around the scriptures, around the word of God. I wonder what you're expecting. Because here's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting that God will speak to us. I'm expecting that God is going to change us a little bit more this morning. I'm expecting that that some of the things that we've perhaps been struggling with, God is going to speak into and shine light into this morning. I'm expecting that God's going to use us to bless each other this morning. Who thinks that sounds good? We'll have an opportunity to do that very soon. But today we're continuing our series, and our series is coming out of the book of Ephesians, this letter that was written to this early church community in Ephesus. And the citizens of Ephesus, they lived under a kingdom. And this kingdom had soldiers. And these soldiers had army, had armor. And their armor was shields and swords and helmets. And this kingdom waged war against flesh. And this kingdom shed much blood. This kingdom advanced its influence through violence and force. And this kingdom boasts of its unrivaled power. And this kingdom was called Rome. And the recipients of this letter lived in this kingdom. They lived under this kingdom, under this rule. This was their reality. Now, I want to remind us of that before we hear the words that were first written to them, because this is what Paul writes to them. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on God's complete armor. Then you'll be able to stand firm against the devil's trickery. The warfare we're engaged in, you see, isn't against flesh and blood. It isn't against the le- it, it's against the leaders, against the authorities, against the powers that rule the world in this dark age, against the wicked spiritual elements in the heavenly places. For this reason, 
You must take up God's complete armor. Then when wickedness grabs its moment, you'll be able to withstand, to do what needs to be done, and still to be on your feet when it's all over. So stand firm. Put the belt of truth around your waist. Put on justice as your breastplate. For shoes on your feet, ready for battle. Take the good news of peace. With it all, take the shield of faith. If you've got that, you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Paul unpacks for those first Christians, and it's, so, it's still just absolutely relevant to us today, the essential equipment that we are to use as subjects of God's kingdom, as citizens of God's kingdom. And, and this morning, we're going to focus on the shield of faith. Paul says, if you've got that, you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so this morning, I want us to explore together what it means to have faith, to be people of faith. What is it that we put our faith and our trust in? And we are going to have an alliteration field day today. Anyone else get a bit excited about alliteration? I see my people. Good, good. You are in for a treat. Because I want to start, first of all, with two foundations of faith. Two foundations of faith. Two building blocks, if you like, of faith. Because sometimes I think, in my experience, I think sometimes when we talk about faith, we hone in very quickly on specific situations where we have a specific desired outcome. And we'll think a little bit about that a little bit later, but I want us to kind of zoom out first and think from a bigger picture. What are some of the foundations of of faith? What is it that we are to have faith and trust in? And so are you ready for the first faith foundation? Okay. So faith foundation, number one, is faith in God's future. It is faith in God's future. Hebrews 11 verse 1, there's this verse that for some of us may be be well known. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for. And I wonder this morning, what is it that you hope for? You see, on Wednesday night, my daughters hoped for snow. I hoped for 25 degrees. Both of us were disappointed. And I wonder sometimes when, when, we, when we think about this definition perhaps and we think about faith, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, I wonder sometimes if we perhaps in our minds just kind of switch that word for what we wish for or what we fancy or what we would just make my life really easy today. But I think we have to consider what, is the, what are the New Testament writers talking about when they say hope? Faith is a confidence in what we hope for. Is it what you just wish will happen that day? Is it your very personal need that day? Actually, when we look at the New Testament, the idea of hope for Christians is a faith in God's future. That we have this hope that there is a future coming where Jesus returns in fullness as king, where the kingdom of God is here in fullness, where things are as they
they were always intended to be, where sorrow and suffering cease, where all things are made new, are restored, are redeemed, are brought back to how they were intended to be, where heaven and earth join together forever. The New Testament writers call it the age to come. It excites me, but I don't fully understand it. But I have faith, because I see this in Scripture, that I can have faith in God's future. That history is going in a direction. That there is a trajectory of history. And I know the end of the story. And so therefore, anything that I look at in my day to day, I can look at with this foundation that I can have faith in God's future that I know how this story ends. I may not know how every situation I find myself in is going to work out, but I know that somehow it's part of this bigger story of what God is doing throughout history, the God of creation who is making all things new, and that is what we look forward to. Anyone else think that's pretty exciting? That with the things we find ourselves in, we can zoom out and look at them with an assurance of God's good future. That we can have faith, the confidence in what we hope for. Not necessarily the thing that we just think would be really nice for us right now, but in the Christian hope of a world made new. We know where history is headed, and it's a bright future. Are you ready for faith foundation number two? Here we go. Faith foundation number two is we can have faith in God's faithfulness. We can have faith in God's faithfulness. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And when we consider God, we can have full faith in who he is and what he has done, in his nature and his character. A.W. Tozer famously wrote this quote, and it just comes back to me so often because I think it's so profound and, and so helpful for us. He said, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. And what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you, that, that the way we see God is what defines us. And so we can have faith in who God is. And that is a journey that we go on for all of our lives. It is the most incredible adventure that we will go on of discovering the nature and the character of God. Because even when we see something that just absolutely blows our mind, we're still just seeing a glimpse. That there is so much to who he is. That when we find ourselves in situations, we can stand on a firm foundation because we can have faith in his future and faith in his faithfulness. We can trust that he is the God who is good, that he is kind and he is just, that he is gracious, that he is full of mercy and abounding in love, that he is with us, that he is not a God who is far, but he is a God who is close, that he's for us, that he's the God who holds all power and yet he is the servant king. We can have faith in who he is, and we can have faith in what he has done. Faith that he is the creator, that he is the source, that he is the beginning of everything, that he's the one who holds all things together, 
that because of him, we can be free from sin and death, that he eradicated the power of sin and death when he took on death himself and then beat it once and for all when he was resurrected to life. We can approach life with a confidence because we have faith in his future and faith in his faithfulness, faith in who he is. And I think we have to be so careful to guard against the temptation or the pitfall of allowing our situations to define the way we see God. That, that sometimes the, the challenges we find ourselves in can make us think, well, is, is God with me? Is God good? Because why am I going through this thing? And, and it's a genuine question to ask, why is this thing going on? And, and that's an important thing to explore. But I think actually we, we, we survive those situations so much better if we, we go into them with a firm foundation that I may not understand why this is happening. I may not understand what is going on. I may not understand exactly how this situation is going to play out. But I stand firm because I have faith in his future and I have faith in his faithfulness. I know that whatever comes against me, God is still good, that God is still kind, that he is still with me and he is still for me and he's still working on my behalf even when I don't see how that's working out. And so often we actually find that we look back and we can see God's hand. And faith causes us to stand firm. It allows us to stand firm when we don't see exactly how it's working out. And so I, if, we, if any of us are here are going through a challenge and it's, it's causing you to doubt the goodness of God, it may not be easy, but I encourage you to stand firm in your situation and remind yourself, maybe even speak this over yourself, that in this situation, God is still good, that God is still king, that he is still with me and he is still for me and he is working things out even though I don't see. Because these are the things that we can, these are the foundations that we can approach life with as people of faith, people who will hold the shield of faith, faith in God's future. I know where this is headed, and I know how the big story ends, and faith in his faithfulness, that he is always good. And so I want to think for a moment about, in light of those foundations, in light of kind of the bigger picture, I want to think about how we respond to the specific situations we find ourselves in, the specific challenges that we find ourselves in, those, those things that many of us will be dealing with even today. Because God is interested in the detail of our lives, that he is there with us in the midst of that. And somehow as Christians, we, we hold this tension that, that God is so big, and yet he's the God that is close. And we, we have to somehow hold, hold both of those things together and be really careful for us here in this room, the majority of us who have, who have grown up in, in a Western world, in, in, in privilege when you consider the rest of the world, we have to be careful that we don't make it all about us and about what God's going to do for us, whilst also having faith that he, he cares about what is going on in our lives. And that's the tension that we have to kind of hold together and work out as people of faith. But how do we respond when it feels like we're in the fire? How do we respond when it feels like we're in the challenge? When it feels like things are coming against us? How do we have faith in the fire? You may feel like you're in a fire or a storm 
or a challenge. I don't know what metaphor resonates with you. There's this incredible story in the history of God and his people. It's found in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. And there were three, three men who followed God. And the king makes this, creates this um, statue, this image of gold. And he makes this announcement that when you hear the music play to all the people in the land, you are to bow down and worship this image of gold. And so there were these three men who followed God. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they recognize and understand that we are to worship the creator and not the created. And so they say, we're not going to bow down. News comes to the king. The king calls them, questions them. And he says, he's already said that if anyone doesn't bow down, the stakes are pretty high on this one, they're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. This is quite an intense king having a bad day. And then when he hears about these men, he brings them and he questions them. And their response is incredible. And their response, I think, gives us some keys about how we can respond with faith when we feel like we're in the fire. This is what they say in Daniel 3, verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is, number one, able to deliver us from it. And number two, he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But number three, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship in the image of gold that you have set up. And so the king says, okay, you're people of faith. That's fine. You go off. No, the king gets mad and the king says, let's make the the fire hotter, like it wasn't enough punishment, enough terror. And, um, and, and these three men are bound and thrown into the fire. And then the king, probably feeling a little bit smug, they'd be like, ha I told them. That would teach you for not bowing down to me. What the king does is he says, hang on a sec. And he looks into the fire and he says, how many people did we throw into the fire? Because he looks and there are four people walking around in the fire. Their arms are not bound and they are not harmed. What? (laughs) This is incredible, isn't it? Here are these people of faith and actually they come out of the fire. They're not harmed. Their hair is not singed and they don't even smell of smoke. Like this is mind blowing. And what, what amazes me about this situation is their three faith responses. There are three faith responses. They say this. Number one, God can change the situation. Number two, God will change the situation. Number three, even if God doesn't change the situation, I still have faith in his future and faith in his faithfulness. I've slightly paraphrased there, but did you hear what they said? They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us because he has all power nothing is impossible with God and when we find ourselves in the fire when we find ourselves in the storm I think we can have faith that he is able to change the situation that he is able to bring change that he is able to rescue us to heal us to restore us to provide for us 
My God is able. That's the faith response, number one, that we can have when we find ourselves in the fire. And then they say, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They go a whole step further, not just like God's powerful and he can do anything. But they make a stand to say God will deliver us. And I've made a decision that when I find myself in the fire, that is going to be the second faith response that I have. That God is able to change a situation, and I am choosing to believe that God will change a situation. And so I'm going to act as if that is true. I'm putting my faith and my trust in that. And I say that not as someone who finds that easy, because I've recognized that I don't find number one very difficult. I recognize that God is all-powerful, that God is able to do anything, that, that nothing is impossible for God, but w- would he do it for me? That's a bit more vulnerable. That's a bit more risky. Kind of open myself to disappointment, to getting my hopes up and then having them dashed. But I've made a decision that in moments like that, I'm going to trust in my Father. That I'm going to choose to believe that God can change the situation. And I'm going to act in light of that. Then number three, they say... And even if he doesn't, they look this king, this egomaniac in the eyes and say, we want you to know, your majesty, that we still won't bow down. We won't worship your gods because we are to worship the one true God, the creator God, not that which he has created. And for me, the way I'm paraphrasing this this morning is, is... I believe that God is able to change a situation. I'm choosing to believe that he will change a situation. But do you know what? Even if he doesn't, even if the worst happens in my specific situation, then I still trust in God's future and his faithfulness because they are my foundations of faith. Faith for the fire. And if you find yourself in a fire this morning, I hope that that gives you comfort. I hope that gives you strength to look at your situation knowing that God is able to change a situation. I challenge you to choose to believe that God will change a situation and to recognize that even if he doesn't, we know where the big picture is going and he is still good and he is still with you. And we've taken a step of faith this year with our building and we're setting out to complete the final part of this 15-year journey. 15 years. We've been in here for five and a half years, but it was a a big story before we even got in here. And so we are taking a step of faith. And we are choosing to believe that God is able to provide. Because he is the source of all things. Everything that is, is his. And we're choosing to believe that he will provide. Choosing to kind of step out with that vulnerable, into that vulnerable position of, yeah, I believe God is actually going to come through on this. I'm nailing my colors to the mast. It's a little bit scary, but I would rather be in a place of trusting God than anywhere else. And even if he doesn't, we are convinced of his future and we are convinced of his faithfulness. I wonder if the band could come and join us. Because I want to think about one more element of what it means to be people of faith. First of all, people who have faith in his future. I know how this story ends. People who have faith in his faithfulness. That he is good. That he is creator. 
that he has already overcome sin and death. He has beaten every power in his humble sacrifice. But I don't know about you, but I sometimes find myself in situations where actually it's difficult to have faith for the situation I find myself in. Maybe those situations that just come at you out of nowhere and, and, and knock the wind out of you. And you think, I can't even string a sentence together, let alone have the faith and the strength to say, I choose to believe that God is going to change this situation. Well, I think those are the moments where we need to have faith for the family, where actually it's the faith of someone else that gives us strength. It's the faith of someone else that raises our faith levels, that there's power as we stand with other people to believe for the situations they find themselves in. And that's called family. And there is... um, There was this ancient city in Greece named Sparta. And the Spartans, you might have heard of them in films such as 300 or I Am Spartacus. The Spartans had a unique shield. It was a very large shield. It was round. It was worn on the left arm of the soldier. But the the strap, the the bit that kind of attached the, the shield to the fighter, wasn't central to the shield, it was to the left. Which meant that if a soldier had the shield on his arm, the shield not only protected him, but half of the shield protected the fighter on his right. And the Spartans famously around 300, so Hollywood tells us, around 300 of them held off an attack of thousands of the Persian army because they stood together as they fought. And each person's shield protected the person on their right. And Paul writes to us and says, you need to take on the complete armor. You need to take up the shield of faith, which distinguishes the fiery arrows of the evil one. And I think when it comes to faith, we not only have faith for ourselves, but there are powerful times when our faith protects the people near us. When we have faith for the situations that our friends and our family find themselves in, sometimes when those people themselves think, I haven't even got the energy to get out of bed, let alone make a decision that I'm going to trust that God's going to come through. Remember a few weeks ago, I had a a few scary days where I had a health scare. It it all turned out okay, but it was not a comfortable place to be. And I remember sharing this with my husband, feeling really vulnerable, feeling quite weak, And I remember the strength I received when he looked at me and he said, it's going to be okay. And and it is. (laughs) And it was. But sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we think, I don't know what to to think. I I don't know if I can believe that for myself right now. This is is too scary. This is is too difficult. I I don't have the energy to say, yeah, I can can choose to believe that God's going to come through. I'm going to put my faith in that. And that is where the power of someone else coming alongside. Someone else picking up the shield, saying it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God's going to come through. And we are protected in that moment by the faith of someone else.
Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.